0: Welcome back guys to another episode of the Health Mastery Show. Today I have on with the Nick Licamelli. Nick is the resident physical therapist at 3D Muscle Journey. He's also a pro-natural bodybuilder. Uh, We had a great conversation today about uh, injuries, so everything to do with injury prevention, um, how to work around injuries, coming back from injuries, and all related to specifically uh, bodybuilding or training in the gym. So a lot of people get injuries where it's just little niggles or where they're pretty severe injuries. So we talk about um, how to determine whether you should go see somebody or do injuries mean anything. We also talk a little bit about the science of pain or at least what Nick knows right now. And, but if you do have any further questions, uh, please reach out to, further, uh, to either of us. Um, but without further ado, let's get into the podcast with Nick Licameli. So Nick, thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: Hey man, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's an honor. I follow your stuff, and I love everything you do. So I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. Yeah,
0: and it was great to to meet you uh, in person back in November. You took the journey down from New Jersey. Is that right? Or are you from New York?
1: Yeah, from New Jersey. Uh, took the trip to uh, to Worlds. It was it was awesome. Uh, yeah. Got to see a lot of people who who I only know through social media or through you know. Uh, uh, electronic means so it's, it was really cool to, to actually meet some people and and I was pleasantly surprised that everyone was just a great better better in person than you could ever expect and I think that's really uh, really what you see in, in natural bodybuilding as far as my experience I feel like there's a lot of uh, really really great guys and gals just uh, you know involved in the sport and it's, it's nice to see our little community kind of growing
0: yeah so so Nick you are a natural bodybuilder and you're also part of 3d muscle journey and that's kind of how we've crossed paths but give us some insight into where you've got to or how you've got to where you are today both from a professional side and also like a a personal or i suppose competitive bodybuilding side as well
1: sure yeah so I started out, uh, I guess, how most of us start out. We uh, have, you know, access to some weights, and we watch uh, Rocky, and we we'll play sports in high school, and and we uh, pick up some muscle magazines, and and uh, it's kind of like a snowball effect. You you start in, in this stuff, and then it just gets uh, you get more and more uh, passionate about it, and and uh, so yeah, I started out working out uh, in my garage with my brother. Um, played football in high school, American football, so always trying to get bigger, get stronger and then, when I left high school, I got into some muscle magazines and and i was I would read and reread certain magazines and and underline and highlight and take notes and I was just taking in everything like a sponge like i, I you couldn 't give me enough information. I just wanted to learn more and more about this stuff. And I was uh, trying different things, experimenting with my own self, um, you know, from different techniques you see in the magazines. And and then, uh, yeah, I was doing that, and then I realized that I wanted more. I wanted to kind of learn more than what I was just getting from magazines or from, like, a, an article online or something like that. So I always gravitated more towards the authors who... Had some kind of like PhD or ones that brought science into into their content rather than just like the you know the the, the ripped guy who who comes up with a, a training plan. Um, so I always found myself gravitating more towards the science uh, type people, and then I yeah stumbled upon three uh, DMJ and i was following 3dmj for a while and taking in everything that they put out and it really did uh really did transform my outlook on on the sport and and my life because when when you're doing uh you know the things that you you think are correct that you hear from magazines or you read online you implement those things in your life and for someone who's dedicated and passionate and and into this sport of bodybuilding, you'll do whatever it takes, even if it if it hurts, you know, psychologically, physically, you're going to do it no matter what. Um, so coming, uh, stumbling across 3DMJ really did uh, change my life, my outlook on the sport. Um, it brought a more evidence-based approach to it. And that's exactly what I was looking for, for, for a very long time. Uh, and then I started started competing in two thousand thirteen uh years before I found three d m j so I went through a couple contest preps, not doing things uh as as I would do now um, but uh you know I feel like those times you have to live through those times of making mistakes to really appreciate when you're enlightened and you you kind of go about things differently um, so i I don't regret my my contest preps where I was kind of uh you know, more of a bro than, 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 uh, following any kind of structured plan or evidence-based approach. Um, and so I started competing 2013, earned my, uh, pro card in 2016 and then, um, earned another pro card, uh, in 2018. um, but these were all local shows, and I really was not in a great place as far as a competitor goes. I never took an off-season. I just grinded, grinded, grinded. I, my goal was a pro card, um, and that led to a lot of unhappiness. It led to a lot of um, negative feelings toward the sport because I felt like I was always going into these shows trying to get first place or trying to get, you know— uh, I, my I was motivated by the placing in the trophy, uh, which is anyone that has been in the sport for any amount of time knows that that's a very toxic way to approach the sport so I would say I got lucky um getting my pro card I just had the luck of the draw certain amount certain guys came to the show that day and 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 on that particular day, I was chosen to be the best so um I got two pro cards but um my outlook on the sport now is very very different than than it was then um and so funny enough that is basically the exact story of my professional career in physical therapy um you go through physical therapy school and you're taught you know what you think is what you take as uh you know as as fact and and as bible almost and you take your licensing exam you pass your exam and then you go out into the field And hopefully, you have a mentor, and whoever that mentor is, you take whatever they say as gold, and you think that this is the way to do it, this is the right way to do it. Um, But really, it's the same process that I went through bodybuilding. Uh, Physical therapy school was fantastic, that my school was great, they prepared me perfectly to pass my exam. Um, But usually, the research and the content in school is years behind. You know what is cutting edge because they have to uh, implement it into their curriculum, and their what they teach has to reflect what we're going to be tested on in the big, uh, you know, exam to get our license. So they can't teach us one thing and then we get tested on something else. So the schools are in a, an interesting spot where they they aren't too up to date on the most recent research. Um, they kind of have to make us pass our exams, and then it's up to us to go about our careers and always seek education and, and, and to better ourselves. But, um, so very similar to my journey through bodybuilding, I, you know, you, you go through school or you go through the magazines and then you have a mentor who can be like, you know, the biggest guy in the gym who, who tells you something and you listen to it just because they're the biggest guy in the gym or just because they're the physical therapist who's been practicing the longest. And uh yeah, and then you get enlightened. You you come across other sources and and um and other other individuals in, in your career and you kind of uh you change, you know, you change your ways and and I think the, the biggest lesson in my two stories here is that content will always change, research will always change, but I think the best thing that anyone can do really in life, but in particular bodybuilding and physical therapy, is just have an open mind. Have an open mind and just understand that what you think to be true today can be turned on its head, you know, in 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 a, in a second. So, yeah, I think the the best lesson that I've learned throughout my for my upcoming in bodybuilding and physical therapy is to keep an open mind and avoid speaking in absolutes and always question always question where the information is coming from and always question the information itself. Um, and then, as far as 3DMJ, I got involved with 3DMJ. I, uh, I I was writing articles before I had anywhere to put them. So I was in in undergrad college and grad school, and I was I was writing different articles and just saving them on my desktop with nowhere for them to go. But I just knew someday I was going to have somewhere to put them, and I was going to be ready when that opportunity came. So I was uh, I was actually making videos too uh my parents basement like uh, educational videos and th- that never got published thank god but I was uh I was always kind of doing that 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 those type of things um for no other reason than I had this information that I just wanted to get out and I wanted to help others who were maybe in a in the same situation that I was early on uh so I wrote for tony gentlecore i'm not sure if you're familiar with tony he's a you know well-known uh, well-respected uh, strength coach and strength and conditioning and so tony put uh, the word out that he was looking for some guest uh, bloggers and, and guest articles so i said what the heck it's not the first time i've sent in an article somewhere and got rejected so i'll send send some of my, of my work and then i uh, Tony got back to me and said he loved my articles and he he published them. And I wrote for Tony pretty consistently for, you know, maybe two years or so. And Andrea from 3DMJ was a follower of Tony and she read some of my my content. And at the same time, they had been interested in trying to find some sort of, uh, you know, physical rehab person, whether it be a physical therapist or a chiropractor or something like that. And so I was put on her radar after she read some of my content. From Tony, and then Andrea reached out to me, asked if I'd be interested in writing for 3DMJ, and that was just like a a pinch me to make sure I'm not dreaming moment when Andrea Valdez asked me to write for 3DMJ. And then I wrote consistently for 3DMJ, and then uh, they asked if I'd be interested in coming on board as their um, injury reduction uh, and management specialist. So that was, uh, you know, one of the best opportunities and 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 I'm so so grateful for that. And so I've been doing that for uh about a year now and it's uh, it's been great. I, I I I write for 3DMJ. I go on some of their podcasts and I I consult with their athletes online uh, if there's any kind of injury that the the coaches themselves can't seem to work around, they send them my way. And I think the 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 reason for that was because they were I guess, tired of, of having their clients go to the local medical professional, whatever that professional may be, and that professional not being um, you know, too familiar with the needs of a weightlifter or a bodybuilder or anyone who uh, exercises and you know lifts weights. And the recommendation would usually be stop training or don't deadlift because it's bad for your back, don't squat because it's bad for your knees. And uh, they just weren't getting the attention that 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 3dmj would would like and if anyone knows 3dmj you know you know that they are all about quality and authenticity and they just want the best for our community so their idea of bringing me along was to kind of help that and help help prevent that that cycle of of an athlete having some kind of injury and then not really having any support uh you know or guidance where to go so so yeah that that's kind of a mouthful, but I think that's about everything, and um, yeah, so working with 3DMJ has been really, really
0: uh, a, a great opportunity, and I, I'm, I'm loving every second of it. That's great, man. And what kind of work do you do on a daily basis if people are online? How do you work with people that are, you know, distant between you? Because typically when you think of physical right, so it's very manual therapy or hands-on. Yeah, it's a
1: great question. And it actually lined up perfectly with, it's funny how opportunities come up at the right times. And if if these opportunities came up at other times, you wouldn't seize those opportunities because you're in a different headspace. So the opportunity to consult with people online came about the same time as I started to be more enlightened with recent research in the physical therapy realm, um, and I, yeah, so you in and when I first started out in physical therapy, it was very manually driven um, uh, a lot of my treatments focused on manual techniques, adjusting this, realigning this, releasing this, stretching this, and then I kind of came to realize that those things aren't really what we should be focusing on they have their part, but I think um you know what's what's coming out more and more is that it's more about the progressive strengthening, the progressive exposure to exercise, to different movements, Um, and I'm sure we'll get into what pain is and what pain isn't, um, you know, in this conversation, but uh, yeah, so right as I was getting enlightened with those types of things, this opportunity came up to work with people online, and I was, at the same time, I was changing my own treatment approach to include more education, more independence, more um, uh, modifications of exercise and more graded exposure to movements rather than, uh, you know, come into the office, let me fix you with my hands and then, you know, you'll be good to go. Um, Mm. So, yeah, that's that's uh, that's pretty much. Um, the basis of what I'm doing online I take a, a good um, history you know a good subjective uh, interview I, I get to know the person as a whole uh, I don't just focus on the body part I get to know the person as a whole their goals what, how, how this pain is impacting their life is it, um, is it preventing them from competing in a bodybuilding show is it preventing them from kneeling down and playing with their, their toddler on the ground uh, these things are all really, really important, and um, so it's amazing how much of an impact you can have on someone and their pain experience and their quality of life simply over over the internet. And, and it's been
0: pretty amazing to see. Yeah, and that that uh, teases me up for the the first question we have around specifically the topic, and that which I had sent to you before. But what exactly is pain? Because when you think about pain. Or when I think about pain and I'm no expert on it that it's subjective from different one thing hurts one person a different way the same kind of pressure or the same injury or the same heat from like a fire or a furnace or something will affect people in different ways so if you were to define what pain is, what would you say it is
1: yeah well, that's the million dollar question i'll do my best um, but truth is it's very uh it, it's it's a growing a growing field and and uh, it's much more complex than we think. We used to think back, you know, in the, the, the back in the day, that pain was simply um, a, a response to some kind of noxious stimulus. So, if you put your hand on a fire or put your hand near a fire, it's going to give you some amount of pain. If you put your hand closer to that fire, it's going to give you some other amount of pain, and, and so the more of a noxious stimulus you have, the more pain that you're going to have, and we used to think it was simply um, you know, input, uh, output, input, output, but what we're finding is that pain is much more complex than that, and it's more multifactorial than just tissue damage equals pain. Um, there are plenty of example, plenty of examples in the research of people having tissue damage and having no pain. Um, things like herniated discs, or um, rotator cuff tears, or labrum tears in the shoulder and the hip. These types of things, these types of things, can be seen on something like an MRI, but the person never has any kind of pain. Um, but then at the same time, someone who has just like a slight disc bulge or a little bit of a tear somewhere, you know, can have ripping radiculopathy, pain shooting down their leg, and numbness in their foot. So. Um, that's just one example, but there, we're we're starting to see that tissue damage doesn't always equal the extent of the person's pain perception. Uh, pain is can be thought of almost like, um, like hunger or thirst. Uh, it's just a normal sensation that human beings feel throughout their lives. So sometimes, with the goal of decreasing pain, that could be a bit misguided because. Pain is just something we feel. It's inevitable. We're going to feel it at some point. Um, I think it's how we cope with pain and the strategies we, we have to kind of live our lives um, in spite of, of pain being a reality of our life. And sometimes having the goal of decreasing pain will, will blind you from all the progress you're making. So for example, if someone comes in with a 4 out of 10 pain in their knee and they can go up you know, three steps Uh, in a staircase and then they have to stop because the pain is too bad maybe in four weeks they still have four out of ten pain but they can go up three flights of stairs instead of three steps right so they're making improvements but if they're only focused on the pain then they're gonna miss out on all those you know those great gains that they're making um so yeah we're starting to find out that pain is um, modulated by the brain and modulated by our past experiences and and modulated by the environment we're in Um, you can think about an extreme example would be you hear those stories of people who uh, sustain injuries but they they go rescue their child from a burning building and don't realize that their their arm is broken until hours after the event or if a soldier gets injured in battle um they may not realize that they're hurt until after the you know after the the battle um These are all examples of how tissue damage does not equal pain necessarily um it, there there's there's a space in between that stimulus and the pain response that's modulated by the brain, and that is where I think we can make the most impact um, so the approach that I usually take to pain is um for especially someone who's a weightlifter or exerciser, or any, anyone who kind of has any kind of goal to improve their physique or or gain more muscle, um, not necessarily a competitive uh, athlete, but um, anyone who, who works out, is to find what movements are painful, which ones trigger the pain, and then kind of tease out the um the root cause of it right so tease out what that thing is that is causing your pain so sometimes it's a range of motion type thing so if someone has uh, knee pain during a squat maybe the pain comes on at 90 degrees right so right at the bottom of the hole maybe that's where the pain comes on or maybe it's at the top portion of the range of motion uh, maybe it's not a range of motion thing maybe it's a load thing right so maybe we can do uh, sets to 12 or 15 reps, but then when we increase the weight a little bit and we go to reps of like, say, 6 to 10 or or 6 to 8 reps, that's when the pain comes on. So then maybe the trigger is a load thing, right? Then we can can modify that. Uh, Maybe it's a tempo thing. Maybe it's um, an intensity thing, like an RPE thing. Maybe uh, training to an 8 RPE feels great, but once you push it closer to failure... Maybe that's when you feel the pain. So the idea is to find those things that are triggering the pain and then make an impact there. And the idea is that we want to load the tissue as much as we can without provoking that pain. So if that pain comes on at the bottom of a squat, then we're going to try a box squat stopping right before that bottom position. So we're still loading that squat. We're still uh, getting under the bar. We're feeling the bar on our backs. We're we're feeling our feet dig into the floor. We're feeling everything tense up. We're descending into that squat, and we're coming back up. Um, we're still doing most of that squatting pattern without pain. And then what happens is that threshold for pain, as we gradually expose our body to that, that threshold will increase. And we'll be able to go deeper and deeper and deeper, and eventually have no pain. Um, an analogy I like to use is... Is a, uh, a a and it's not mine. It's uh, I've got it, gotten it from from a few other people, but it's a pirate uh, or a captain on a ship. And the, the he the captain sees lights in the distance, and he can choose his response. Right. So the lights that he sees are the stimulus, right? And then his response now is the brain's modulation of that that stimulus. So he can either. Uh, say he maybe just watched a movie about pirates and his uncle was attacked by pirates in those waters before. Um, He sees those lights ahead and maybe he calls the first mate and he gets everyone ready for battle and everyone is ready. The cannons are loaded. They're ready to fight for their lives. And then they get closer and closer and it turns out to be just a lighthouse. So then the way to um, decrease that response, right, that response like we're getting ready to fight can be compared to the pain response. The way that we decrease that is by gradually exposing that captain to that light. We want to get him closer and closer and closer to the light so that he realizes that it's just a lighthouse, and it's okay. It's not necessarily pirates every time you see a light. Um, So maybe the first time you push it a little bit closer to the light, uh, maybe you only get half the cannons ready for battle, maybe not the whole ship. And then once you see it's a lighthouse, then you get a little bit closer and maybe you only get like one or two cannons ready. And then as you keep doing that, as you keep exposing that captain to that stimulus, that response will get less and less. Almost like if you're afraid of heights or afraid of spiders. You're not, you're not going to jump into a, a tub of tarantulas on day one. You're going to gradually expose yourself to that stimulus. You're going to get uncomfortable. You're going to meet that edge of discomfort and you're going to take some deep breaths and you're going to let it sit there. You're going to see how that feels. You're going to see how it feels to be next to maybe 10 feet away from a tarantula. Breathe in, breathe out. And then your body will get used to being 10 feet away from that tarantula. And then you take two steps forward. And now you're going to reach that edge of discomfort again. Breathe in, breathe out, reflect. Think about how you're feeling. What are you feeling? What are you thinking? What, what, what feelings are you feeling? Breathe in, breathe out. And then you take some closer steps. And that's basically the process Um, that that we go about with pain is gradually exposing the body to that edge of discomfort while still maintaining uh, a training effect. And sometimes when we have injuries, the recommendation of stopping training completely, that can be quite uh, detrimental. Because if you are a consistent, uh, avid exerciser, and you're in good shape, and you you have you're putting up some good numbers in your squats or deadlifts or whatever exercise uh, whatever exercise we're, we're talking about um, by stopping it completely and letting the the, the pain kind of subside. Yeah, the pain is probably going to stop, but then when you want to go back into training, how do we know where to start? Right? We kind of are. It's it's like throwing darts blindfolded. We don't really know where to start because we haven't squatted for example in say four weeks so we 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 put ourselves at risk of overshooting it which is 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 dangerous because then we can re-injure ourselves or we we risk undershooting it and then which is which is not good either because then we're not going to get a training effect like we want so by starting at the top which is like a full squat no limitations um, and then taking one step down to maybe something like i said a box squat if that's still painful we take one more step down one more step down and then once we find that step where we can load that movement without pain we load that for you know a week or so and then we take one step up one step up one step up depending on how our body responds so that is a very stepwise calculated approach and we never are confused about where to start after we're, we come back from an injury because we just Took a couple of steps back, and now we're going to take those same exact steps forward. Um, so that that's that's one of the things that I think is is a big mistake is when people take time completely off to let something heal, mm-hmm. and then we jump back into it, and we never really know where to start. So I like that stepwise approach.
0: Yeah, I got, I got you. So uh, when you're trying to help someone with an injury or uh, work through it, you you don't try and f- you don't necessarily try and figure out what is always the root cause but try and work through the the movement and increase the threshold for pain is that correct i i i i would guess that i'm under or misinterpreting you there because that couldn't be the case all the time but um is that a is that an approach you do with uh with kind of uh, manual therapy if you're with people or with figuring out where the injury is like if somebody has a severe injury you're not obviously just going to get them doing squats right until they can bear through the pain because sometimes that might not be uh, possible so how do you how do you figure out what the exact injury is or do you just work through the the kind of pain threshold to try and increase that by working through the movement and loading uh, a movement
1: yeah, it's a, a great question, and it really does depend. Um, what I would say is, if there aren't any red flags, so if we're not, if if there isn't any numbness, tingling, shooting anywhere, if there's, um, if the pain is reproducible, if we're able to, um, if the pain it fluctuates, if it comes and goes, uh, rather than if there's this 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 dull pain that comes for no rhyme or reason and it's constant and it wakes me up at night and I can't reproduce it no matter what I do, it, for no rhyme or reason, it just always aches. Those are types of things where I would recommend, okay, maybe we should see someone, maybe we should get some imaging, an x-ray, MRI, just to rule out any red flags. Um, but yeah. For, yeah, for the most part, I, I'm not diagnosing at the tissue level, um, because like we kind of said in the beginning, whether someone has a torn rotator cuff or, or a bulging disc or, or something like that, it's not really going to change the course of treatment unless it gotcha. unless there's some kind of red flag mm-hmm. in there
0: yeah and i think that that's probably something that most people don't think about or they misunderstand what physical therapy is supposed to do or i suppose coming back from an injury or injury treatment and I, i'm kind of aware of it because i i told you off there that my dad is a physical therapist, but I don't look into the research at all in injury prevention, or because it's just not really an area that I'm overly interested in. But, um, but yeah, so people think that okay, I'm injured, so I need to go to the physio so that he can uh, massage me and like put you know put electrodes on me and then like get massage the pain or the knots or the 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 adhesions out, and then I'll be better. Um, but from what I've gathered through talking through my dad and also what you're saying here now is that the most up-to-date way to treat injuries or what the literature has shown and in your practice as well is that it's really just about getting people moving through that movement and trying to just Um, you know uh, like that pain will eventually just almost go away by itself once you kind of build up a tolerance for it is that is that what is that correct
1: exactly it's a perfect explanation of it yep the answer is usually uh get the person moving get them loading that movement coming to that edge of discomfort and and really just increasing that threshold and and i think one of the issues in in physical therapy is that um that that is what happens when when patients come in with expectations of releasing adhesions or finding a knot or, or um, adjusting their hips or realigning mm-hmm. their spines, I think when the expectation um, is that coming in from what patients have seen on TV, what they've read, then the physical therapists are kind of at mercy of what the patient wants. And I think in, in a model where we get paid to do more, uh, to do more things and yep. more treatment gets more money in the system right now at least in the United States i think that puts the profession at risk of of doing um uh ineffective treatments um, but the the thing is that they feel good right they feel yeah. good in the short term i'm not going yeah. to not going to going to argue the fact that getting yeah. your back cracked doesn't feel good it feels great yeah. um and not going to lie that foam rolling makes me feel less tight but yeah the narrative that goes behind those things is important. Um, it's not that we are aligning someone's spine by cracking their back. What we're doing is almost like control alt delete to the system. We're kind of just giving a, a short term relief in some pain and some muscle spasm. And once that, that, that good feeling that that hit of dopamine comes, the narrative that follows it can be either crippling or, or it can be, uh, you know, allow for some good uh, independence and empowerment and i think sometimes we fall into the the uh, the negative aspect of that almost like a mechanic a car mechanic who who keeps you coming back and mm. and keeps you know yeah. taking money from you to fix this and fix that rather than just say you know what as long as you change the oil in this car and maintain it
0: you're probably be okay <laughs> yeah i think it's yeah like if people don't really think about it um that you know, getting your back aligned, like, is, you, you don't have scoliosis, and then you go to the chiropractor, <laughs> and he fixes it, now you don't have it, but then, like, a few weeks, you get it again, but I actually, it, just to touch on a topic that you, you talked about, kind of, at the beginning, I, I, I'm not a personal trainer in person anymore, but I was a couple years ago, and there was a client who had, like, a, a bulging disc, um, but, like, something like 20-something years ago, and, like, every so often, he would be, like, Oh it's it's really sore today <laughs> but like from what I learned is like that stuff heals pretty quickly like a, like a broken arm you know if you had a broken arm 20 years later something's seriously wrong so it's like just goes back to the point that a lot of it is just kind of almost in your head you know and i guess like what you're saying in terms of you know loading people through injuries um it's probably very it's probably very practical in in the sense of what we're talking to about today in terms of like people training for uh, you know they're doing bodybuilding resistance training that have niggles and aches and pains here and there because it's not like you're going to say oh I, hey nick I, I broke my leg yesterday and you're like adam load up those plates and squat motherfucker you're gonna squat just go slow you know i get i guess it's not like that right but when 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 we're doing bodybuilding and, and a lot of clients that i work with and i'm kind of lucky in a sense that i've never really had any huge injuries like i broke my finger playing basketball and the very first time i went to the gym when i was like maybe 14 i just put all the, i put the pin from the leg uh, leg extension at the very bottom and did the whole stack and <laughs> tore my quad or about uh, tore, that was stupid um but yeah so i didn't go back to the gym for a couple of years and uh, I was just like you know, got a free pass something like that but yeah other than that I have the only pains I've had is like kind of like overuse pains or pains that are just associated with perhaps like you know on your know, suboptimal form and certain exercises over time and you know after a while they do kind of go away. But with that in mind, is, is pain always bad or is it always something that we should kind of be worried about or seek out professional help with? Or, or sometimes is there just like no answer for pain or at least one that we don't know?
1: That's a great question and one that I think is really important. Uh, so I think, so pain, pain isn't necessarily, I don't want to give the the, the impression that I think pain is, is in your head. Um, it's not that we're making up our pain or we're like being hypochondriacs and we're like embellishing and we're giving ourselves pain. It's pain is in your, in your head, meaning that like our brain unconsciously modulates pain. Um, so I don't want anyone to misunderstand that. I'm saying that, Oh, you know, you you just have pain because you're, you're afraid to, to squat or, or you're, you're, you know, you're thinking yourself into pain. Um, and, and that's a great question. You know, what, what, when is pain, what do we do? If we have pain, what do we do? do? We always seek out help. Do we just let it, you know, push through it? Do we always find ways to modify it? And, and pain can absolutely be a warning sign. It can be protective. Um, if pain, if you're feeling it, uh, say if it's a sharp pain, like during your warm up sets, that's probably a pain that we don't want to modify and work through. Um, or if we do, it's going to have to be probably a pretty significant modification, like maybe back to some isometrics or, um, you know, some lower level exercises as opposed to changing from a full depth squat to a box squat. Um, like I was kind of saying before, if it's, if there's pain, that's just constant, can't be reproduced, can't be relieved. That's pain that you probably want to get checked out. Uh, if this, if pain is waking you up at night, if, um, if you've tried some things that haven't worked, these are uh, numbness and tingling, right? Any kind of severe weakness that that just kind of comes on, these are all things that you want to get get checked out. Loss of bowel and bladder control, um, all, all, all serious things that that are are signs that you should probably get something checked out. Um, but then other times, pain pain isn't necessarily an emergency. And then it could be more of just a, um, you know, a a response to some kind of, um, overload or some kind of, um, increase in intensity or increase in volume or, or decrease recovery like sleep or stress, things like that. Um, so really if you have any question, if it's ever a question in your mind, like I don't know if this is, if this is a good pain or, or a bad pain, if, if that even exists, um, keep keep those things in mind that I just said. Constant pain that can't be reproduced, can't be alleviated, even even in the short term. Um numbness, tingling, those type of things, you probably want to get get checked out.
0: Yeah, so I think with like most gym injuries that just kind of progressively come on, rather than say like an acute tear or something like that that you notice straight away. And and I just from my complete anecdotal observation that they they seem to be more common just like rotator cuff or bicep tendon or or chest pain or or something like that the things that can be reproduced oh hey nick when i press like this um i get pain in my shoulders well what kind of what would you initially do in that situation is that something to worry about would you say okay let's stop doing those exercises um, altogether, perhaps it's your biomechanics, or is it just that it's overuse, or what would your initial kind of consultation or questions that you would ask the person, or a person would ask themselves?
1: Yeah, great question. And so first, I would I would want to make sure that the the person knows that um, that it doesn't necessarily have to be something structural that is torn or that that is damaged that needs to be fixed in order to get out of pain. Um, I'd really want to kind of get that in their minds so that we can have better conversations you know moving forward throughout the process Um, pain is like I mentioned before pain is kind of like hunger right where if you walk by you could just eat breakfast a half hour ago and then you walk by your favorite bakery in town and all of a sudden you're hungry again (laughs) it's like well
0: that's only on contest prep exactly
1: only on contest prep (laughs) Um, you know that hunger is an experience right It's, it's a feeling and doesn't always mean that you're starving to death it can mean that definitely right if you're if you're stranded somewhere and you haven't eaten in 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 two weeks i'm sure hunger is is pretty indicative of tissue damage and 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 uh, and starvation but that that bakery after a half hour after eating is not and it feels the same I'm, you know the hunger is just hunger just like pain is just pain um so after we have that conversation I would then dig into a bit about their history. I would say, well, have you ever felt anything like this in the past? Um, Does the pain come and go? Is it constant? um, Any numbness, tingling? Okay, get those questions out of the way. Then I'll ask about um, what happened, uh, anything else happened in your life around that time when you started feeling the pain? Did you recently try some new exercises? Did you get on a new training split? Have, did you increase your volume? Did you increase your weight? Um, did you just break up with your girlfriend? Did you just have a baby? Did you just move? Did you, uh, you know, all these different things um, that can contribute to pain, um, I would I would definitely ask about. And then uh, if I would dive into what causes the pain. At what point of the range of motion do you feel it? Uh, have you noticed... If you change your grip does that modify it which exercises can you do which ones can't you do which ones give you pain which ones feel good and then i'll just collect all this information and then really dive into that person individually and as you can imagine all of those answers are going to be different for everybody so just like a uh, an online coach a bodybuilding coach or a personal trainer um, there's no template, right? There's no, there's no template. The best in the industry like you, yourself, um, 3DMJ, we know that each, each client is an individual, right? And and we have to take their entire lives into account. Keto may work good for someone, but other people love their carbs, right? And then they, that wouldn't be good or, 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 you know, uh, it's very, very individual. So, um, yeah I think I think that's that's almost lost a lot in in healthcare and fitness is that um, there's no easy answer. and sometimes when so if someone's listening to this and they hear me kind of talk about my approach right now, there's not really a solid answer. It's more of I would kind of get all this information, come up with some ideas, and we're gonna try some things together working as a team, and then we'll you know we'll move forward and hopefully, through the process you'll be more independent um, coming out on the other side so that if anything pops up again you I'm I'm here for you to guide you answer any questions but you have these tools you have this experience to now help yourself and become more resilient moving forward um, versus someone who has the the three exercises to cure low back pain I mean that if I didn't know any better I would click on that every day that's easier that's not a long process. That's not me answering a bunch of questions about whether or not I'm stressed or not. Like I want to do those three exercises and I want to get that machine that, uh, vibrates and shakes my muscles and makes me feel better because that's a mm-hmm. lot easier to do. Um, but I, I think, I think that's where, that's where the issue lies in, in healthcare and fitness. I think a lot of times people are trying to cash in on that mentality and, um, I think it's, I think it's hurting, it's hurting the people that, that we serve. Um, I just heard something, I forget where it was, I think on a TV show, someone had like a melanoma, some kind of skin cancer on their nose. Oh, you know, it was on, uh, you know, the TV show botched. Yeah. So I don't know why it was on, but I was, I was listening to it in the background and this poor woman, like put something, this kind of, I don't know cream or, or substance or something, this holistic, uh, medication type thing on her melanoma on her nose. And it ended up like eating a hole away in her nose. And this poor woman had to like go through all these surgeries to, to try to correct this. And I looked over my wife and I said, this is why I exist. <laughs> like, this is why, because this is, this is the most extreme version of the harm that we, that that's being done in the medical field and, and in health and fitness it's these empty promises it's these quick fixes it's these these things that make a quick dollar um and and, and it's uh, and it's it's really infecting the the healthcare and fitness industries and and um i don't think a lot of people realize how serious how serious that is
0: yeah and i guess then when we're talking about kind of injury prevention so we we talked a lot about what to do if you do have an injury but With regards to then injury prevention and specifically warming up in the gym, is that necessary? Is it something that you recommend? Is there certain things that you do or exercise specifically uh, that are more general just to to kind of protect your joints or or to reduce the risk of injury? Um, Is there anything like that? I remember when I first started, or not even first started, but maybe around five or six years ago, uh, when I was in college I had a cut and a lot of spare time as you do in college and I used to do like a warm-up that Matt Ogis uh, had like on YouTube for like upper body warm but it, it ended up being like 30-40 minutes just for the warm-up <laughs> and now these days I got like 60 minutes in the gym. Today I think it was like for 45 minutes only there. And really all I do now is uh, if I make sure that my my body temperature's up, like I'm not freezing cold, do some light variations of the exercise that I'm gonna actually do. I've used a bit of like a mini red band, some like shoulder kind of rotation and stuff. And then I just get into it. And I'm, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just lucky that I haven't got injured, but that's kind of what I do. What do you recommend for a up?
1: Awesome question, man. And it, what you said is absolutely perfect. Um, I think, so the research on injury prevention, it's one of the big issues with the research on injury prevention is that we really don't have a consistent definition of injury. So is injury any time someone feels pain? Is injury time off from training? How much time off? Is injury um, some kind of structural damage, like a, a torn muscle, even though the person doesn't have pain? So the definition of injury is, is kind of uh, not exactly concrete, and that kind of makes the research on injury prevention uh, a, little, a little shaky. But um I think what you said about your warm up is absolutely perfect and I just like you would have a long warm up when I was you know in physical therapy school and and I had all this knowledge about uh every tiny muscle that could be tight and every muscle that could be weak and my warm up would be yeah probably like 20 minutes to a half hour I'd be on a foam roller and doing this movement doing that movement and and then you realize, oh my goodness! Like I'm been here for a half hour already, um, and th- those type of things like foam rolling or, or stretching or or anything like that, the the effect seems to be short term. So if you foam roll, say your quads, your calves, and your hamstrings, by the time you go to foam roll your hamstrings, the benefit of foam rolling your quads has probably passed. And that window of improved range of motion or decreased, quote-unquote, tightness has probably passed. Um, so exactly like you said, my my ideal warm-up is something to get your heart rate up a bit and then specific movements to the task at hand. So if you are about to do squats for that day, um, maybe uh, some depending on this is also going to be very specific to each person but um maybe like a goblet squat right so take a light a light weight or a dumbbell or kettlebell and just kind of sink down nice and slowly into a goblet squat sit in the hole for maybe a second or, or you know five seconds take a nice deep breath breathe in breathe out deep in the hole and then come back up squeeze the glutes feel that your feet kind of planting in the floor Get your mindset. Close your eyes. Get a feel for what's going on. Um, you know, a couple, couple goblet squats, and then, and then get right under the bar and start your warm up sets. And, and yeah, short, sweet, specific to what the task is
0: at hand. That's that's the name of the game with the warm up. Nice. And when it comes to specific gym injuries, um, is there anything that you notice that caused the the, the majority or the largest percentage of uh, pain within? within this, let's say recreational lifters is it poor use or poor form or is that something that you even kind of can see because you come to you come to the, the table after the fact right
1: yeah it's a good a, another really good question um usually so i'll have I'll, I'll give the option to clients to send me a video of their technique just to see um because usually if someone comes to me from 3dmj they have a decent, uh, decent experience. They have, they, they're have. a certain type of athlete who, who follows 3DMJ that will then reach out for coaching, who will then reach out to me. Um, but if it's someone who isn't a 3DMJ athlete or someone who I may just want to take a look at exercise technique, I'll have them send me a video of, of some, some movements in the past that they've done or, or some movements currently that they're doing. But um, exercise technique is more of a spectrum as far as a hard, good, uh, good or bad. And that was something that I used to really um, spend a lot of time on is trying to get perfect form, right? Trying to get a perfectly neutral spine every time I bent over, trying to keep perfect posture with my shoulders and my back and my head and my neck. One of the, the jokes about physical therapy school is that you don't know how much you have wrong with you until you go through physical therapy school. And it's funny, but it's also kind of sad because that's what's happening when these physical therapists come out of school is that they're looking for problems rather than they rather than solutions right they're looking for um everything that's that's tight that's weak that's asymmetrical everything that's wrong with the person rather than everything that that they can do everything that's right with the person um, so exercise technique i'll take a look at. Um, usually a little bit down the road if we can't seem to make an impact with some of the other things that we talked about. Sometimes it's as simple as changing the foot position um, or changing the grip on on an exercise uh, or slowing it down a bit, adding a pause. Um, Those types of things are are ways that I like to use exercise technique and, and also is to change the way that the load and the stimulus is hitting the body. So a lot of times the injuries that I deal with are, um, overuse type injuries. Um, not that, not that like it's they're uh, you know, a, a, a painter or a carpenter and they're hammering or painting all day and their, their shoulder hurts. Like that's, that's overuse, but overuse in the sense where, um, a certain movement is just getting done. Repetitively, repetitively, repetitively in the same way without enough time to recover. One of the ways to kind of break that cycle is changing up your technique a bit, right? So maybe adding in a heel lift on your squat, you're still barbell back squatting, but that heel lift will now shift the focus more toward your quads than maybe your lower back and your glutes. And maybe that slight, slight change in form. And, and kind of uh, change in the way that the force is going through the body, that may be just enough to allow that overuse cycle to kind of calm down. And then you can revisit your your old technique after that. Or something as simple as moving your feet on a leg press, right? Or, or uh, changing your shoulder position on, on a curl or a tricep press down. Um, all these things can it's a slight, slight change and you're still doing the movement, still maintaining that training effect, but it's kind of breaking that overuse cycle. Um, so those, those are kind of two ways I like looking at exercise technique is to um, to kind of modify the way the load is getting put through the body and then um, kind of a secondary after looking at the other other aspects of what can be leading to pain as something to modify.
0: Yeah, and I guess as... Bodybuilders or people who just lift a lot were kind of anomalies, um, because the the everyday person who gets injuries, you know, they don't. Not everybody lifts all the time, or at least as lifts as much as people who are trying to get as big as humanly possible. <laughs> so, do you think that it, it was it's normal or it's something that you should expect to? I won't say get injured, but have pain here or there. Um, from just just consistent training over the years, is that something that we should expect? And then I guess if you do, if the answer is yes, then is it just okay? Well, let me just try just something here. Try perhaps a different exercise first before saying like, oh, oh crap, I got to go see a physiotherapist again.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's it's like a lot of things in life. If you're if you're in this for the long uh, the long game, like like you are, and I know your listeners are. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be times when you feel like you could spit fire and nothing could hurt you, and then there's going to be other times when things aren't going so well. Um, Think of it almost like a marriage, right? So um, marriages, I've been married for four years now. I've been dating my wife uh, since I was in high school. We've had um, great times. We've had hard times, and they're to be expected, right? It's it's not... um, it's not reasonable to think that you're never going to have a disagreement or, or a hard time or, or, or something like that. What's important is how you respond to those times and and giving getting the tools to get through those, those hard times. So early on in, in someone's lifting career or early on in a relationship with someone and you, you may get some pain or you may get into an argument, you don't have those skills to get through that in the beginning right you don't have the communication skills with your with your spouse or significant other in the beginning uh to work through a problem to hear their side of the story to to uh listen with intent uh you know just to listen not to not to make your point um same thing with with training right it's if you have pain you don't maybe have those tools. You never experienced shoulder pain before, so you, you don't know what's going on. Maybe you're, you don't know if you tore your rotator cuff, if you're going to you know, have this pain for the rest of your life. But then as you work through these things, um, as you realize, well, hey, if a dumbbell overhead press gives me shoulder pain but a landmine press feels great or a barbell press feels great, I'm going to use the barbell press and, or I'm going to use the landmine press and let that be my main pressing movement. And then maybe you go back to the dumbbell press after that, and it feels good, right? Or maybe it still hurts, and then you say, "Okay, well, I don't have to dumbbell press; I could just do this." Um, so you are you are becoming more resilient after having pain. So you're you're you are um, you're learning from the hard times, and just like in a marriage, right? You learn through the hard times. I don't learn anything about my wife in the good times when when things are hard. You really have to dig deep, you have to look inside, you have to go to those dark, uncomfortable places and find out more about yourself and find out more about your spouse. And that's what I think, that's how I think um, a lifting career should be looked at. You're going to have ups and downs, but it's how you you handle those down times that makes a lot of difference because those down times can ruin you or they can make you stronger. And an argument with a spouse can end the relationship, or it can make it stronger. Um, and and that's my goal. My goal is to be that that voice, be that person to guide to guide you through those those hard times, and show you like it's okay, it's okay that you have pain right now. It's okay. We're gonna get through this. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna try this. We're gonna try that. But ultimately, I'm not gonna be the one that's getting you better. You're gonna be getting yourself better. And then if you ever have any pain in the future, you know, looking back, I got through this. or I got through something like this already. This is what I did. I know that I have more confidence moving forward. Um, and I think that's super, super empowering. Um, and that's, that's pretty much my goal. My goal is to, to be the mentor. I don't want to be the hero, right? I don't want to be the, the end-all be-all. I want to just help along the way um, of, of someone's fitness journey and and um, kind of make them more resilient and more confident moving forward.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot for that, man. And then I guess we're, we're almost out of time, but uh, final kind of test for you. So uh, I told you a little bit before we began that I kind of have a bit of an injury. So l- let me see your magic work. I want you to heal me.
1: <laughs> no problem, yeah. Um, so I would say um, get a, uh, a foam roller and maybe uh, some CBD oil, and uh and then yeah put some uh get some uh electric stem and ultrasound on there and you should be good to go man
0: (laughs) (laughs) no but in in all seriousness though um i'm i'm genuinely curious so i started playing basketball again um just recently I, i played a pretty high level well i played i played international level but but ireland is you know it's a different different kettle of fish as we say over here for basketball it's just not really a big sport but I hadn't played in the years. Since I got into bodybuilding it just kind of they don't really go hand in hand, like trying to get bigger when you're only five foot eleven and then playing basketball is just not really uh conducive. But I I started to uh play again because I'm not I'm not gonna be competing for probably at least two years, but more than likely more than that, but minimum two years. So I just want some competitive outlet and I've got a court like literally across the road, an indoor indoor court, which isn't that uh isn't that common here? So yeah, started playing, joined up an all-team, but after the first two weeks I was going good, like obviously I wasn't as fit, but got my fitness back, started to get my shot back, and then got some basketball shoes, like brand new ones, and they looked like they got pretty good cushioning, um, but then all of a sudden, I don't know if it's correlated or just it's just coincidence, that my knees... Uh, both knees have like really bad tendinitis. I got really bad pains in my heels, like in my feet, and then all around my ankles and my Achilles are just like super super sore. But only when I like run or jump, and I, I to the point where I actually can't like sprint. I can only jog because of the pain. So like, what what do I do?
1: Yeah, so that's that's a really great example. And um, things like basketball, um, soccer, sports like that are. Way more challenging to take the approach that I was talking about before because they're much more random, they're much more uncontrolled, they're much more various, uh, varying movements than than a structured weightlifting plan. Um, but you're, the way you just described your symptoms are really um, are, are perfect. So it you have you're having your body is telling you that it's it was exposed to. Some kind of st- Adam, you're just a fat <laughs> bastard. You need to lose some weight. Uh, your body's telling you, like, hey, look, we're being exposed to something that we're not used to. We're not having enough time to get, get adjusted. We're not having enough time to get recovered. Um, if you jog, if you squat, it feels good. So it's like, you know, we're good. But when you try to sprint or jump, like, that's what we're doing a little bit too much of. Um, not that it's too much. It's just too much right now. Um, so you took some time off from basketball and then you kind of jump back into it and then you got the new shoes and the shoes, not that they're bad, but like we were saying before, adding a little bit of a heel lift to your squat changes the way the forces go through your body. Getting a new pair of shoes does the same thing, um... So I'm thinking maybe it's it's just the fact that your body hasn't grown accustomed to that type of training, that type of plyometric, sprinting, jumping type of training. Um, so I think you're right. I think the it, it could be like some kind of short-term inflammation, like a tendonitis, or or just like a, a, a non-specific overuse overuse type injury. Um, so my suggestion would be try to change up the stimulus a bit while maintaining the effect that you want. So if it's, if that means maybe holding off on full game speed, playing for a couple of weeks and just kind of jog around the court, but maintain your shot so you can still work on your skills, but not provoke that pain and then kind of gradually expose yourself to it. So maybe you, you do like uh, you get the ball and you do like a sprint, uh, like a hop to the side and then you shoot and hey, that feels pretty good. Okay. So now we're hopping in and shooting and then. Maybe you drive to the basket and take a couple steps to the basket. Hey, that feels pretty good. All right, maybe we'll try a couple more of those, and then you gradually kind of work back into it. Yeah. Um, you know, similar similar to to weightlifting, but um, but pretty much the same process. You're listening to your body. You want it to get accustomed to it. Um, again, I don't think what you're doing is bad. I don't think you're damaging your tissues. I think you're just you're just giving your body another stimulus um, that it's not. It, it, that's too fast. It's coming too fast for your body to adjust to it.
0: Yeah. I guess it's just like if you start in the gym, right? You do like 30 sets for chest. You just, you're, you're going to be in a, another world of pain. Right. From just from never, or I could, I guess I could do wheelchair basketball for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, could do,
1: yeah. there could do, you could do wheelchair basketball. Um, but yeah, that's a perfect way to perfect thing to compare it to is like a newbie at the gym. Um, A lot of times, people who have like a surgery, say an ACL repair, they'll be uh, their their quad will get very atrophied throughout the rehab process, and they'll ask me, you know, is this ever going to grow back? Like, should I only should I stop training my good side? You know, is this going to get too big and this is going to stay small? And my answer is, well, your the leg that's injured and dealt with the atrophy is now like a new person going into the gym the other leg is okay. Like that's not, that's still pretty much conditioned and, 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 you know, that's, that's not going to experience rapid growth, but the side that is atrophied, that's going to respond pretty quickly, you know, compared to, to the good side. So it's going to grow back a lot faster and it's not like your good side is going to, keep growing and growing like we would all love that but that's not how it works (laughs) Mm. um so yeah it's it's almost like you it's just like you're you're new to the gym or new to uh you know new to any activity and when i was in pt school we would play basketball every friday and i played sports my whole life but when i was in grad school i hadn't played a competitive like impact sport like that in a long time and i was like, i literally i couldn't walk for like 3 days after i played played that basketball but then after a while like it got better and better um but yeah the the issue was just that it wasn't that basketball was bad it wasn't that my 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 glutes were weak or that my hip flexors were tight or my hips were unaligned it was just that this is a new stimulus and my body has to get adjusted to it
0: yeah i actually experienced exactly the same thing the like i squat pretty frequently and you know pretty pretty rel- or relatively heavy um but i i don't run ever because bodybuilders don't run but um <laughs> when i when i got back into basketball um yeah, yeah I, i'm kind of lean i mean i'm not that lean but i'm not fat so i mean i can't i can i can still run but uh i ran for like an hour or whatever to pick up basketball and the next day i swear to god i felt like i did like 50 sets of hack squats or something like that i just it just and but it wasn't that i was like severely heavy load or anything it's just that stimulus that i wasn't used to and i guess it's the same for people who play basketball and they never hit the gym they do like three sets of hack squats and then they can't walk for a few days so it's
1: just exactly yeah and that's i get that a lot sometimes when people ask about yoga or pilates and and i tell them like those things could be great but you better make sure that you gradually expose yourself to that because i can tell you right now like like my family members and, and close friends, like they, because I'm into bodybuilding and, and health and fitness, they think that I'm like this super athlete. And I'm like, look, if I ever did a yoga class or a Pilates class, like I wouldn't be able to move for five days. <laughs> like that's just not what I'm used to. And recently, I don't know what I was doing, but I, I had to jog or something like, to and I was like, that was the most unathletic thing I've ever done in my life. Like, I need to get back into running or something. (laughs) Because I was like, my 18-year-old self would have watched me do that and would have been disappointed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you just have to realize how, like, unathletic or quote-unquote unfunctional bodybuilding actually is. (laughs) When you try to do other things, you just just look muscular or look like you can... uh, you can lift. I got a guy, or look, like you can do things. I remember when I was like younger, uh, and I was kind of bigger than everybody because I was into weights, the one guy that I used to play basketball with, because I was doing both simultaneously for a few years, uh, used to say that I had fake muscles because they were just for show.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. No, no, it's no joke. So my father's a carpenter, and he works with my brother. And my dad's like 59 years old, like normal looking guy, like not super muscular, but like, you know, five eight maybe and five and just normal looking guy and there is this piece of furniture in my house and I literally pushed it with everything I had I wanted to move it a little bit in my room in this room I put no joke like nothing left in the tank like tried to move this thing would not budge my dad comes over one day and I leave the room and the piece of furniture is moved I'm like what did you do how did you move it? he's like I don't know I just pushed it <laughs> yeah. I'm like geez like but yeah, it's uh, it's the principle of specificity, I suppose, right? It's yeah. If you want it, but I, yeah. I
0: think if you're if you're muscular, um, you know, if you're big and muscular, it's just it's almost synonymous for everybody else that one. You know everything about health <laughs> with any regard to like all the way to like medical doctors and any anything that they should do, and also that you want to just fight everybody that wants to fight you as well. <laughs> right. Well, that go like, oh, your big. Is big you, you want to fight?
1: Me. Yeah. To, <laughs> if anyone takes anything out of this podcast, it's that bodybuilders don't run, and we probably want to fight everybody.
0: <laughs> well, well, Nick, it was great to have you on, man. So, where can people find more about you? Yeah,
1: so um, I guess three D three uh, D Muscle Journey. So the number three, letter D, Muscle Journey dot com. Uh, my Instagram at Nick Licamelli, and then uh, my website for my my company is uh, strengthtogetheronline.com. dot com. Any of those places, feel free to reach out to me. I love you know connecting and, and answering any questions or just you know having a little bit of a chat. So feel free to reach out through any of those platforms.
0: Awesome, thanks again,
1: Nick. Hey Adam, thank you, man. I appreciate it, and thank you for all you do, man. It's really cool. Nice conversation.
0: All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Nick. Injuries is certainly not a topic of forte for me, so I really enjoy chatting to Nick about it. Fortunately, like I mentioned, I haven't really had any injuries. Um, that are too severe that have kept me out of the gym or from training for very long periods of time Uh, but it's definitely something important to remember Um, almost like an insurance policy um, you don't really think about injuries until you've you've got one but for most people uh, there's going to be some point where you come up uh, against an injury which is not only going to hold you back physically but can kind of affect you mentally depending on how severe that injury is so if you do have any further questions For myself or for Nick, you can reach both of us um, through our email addresses or through our websites or social media handles. I'll leave everything in the show notes. And if you want to find out more about Nick, I left all of his uh, handles and all of his social media and uh, websites in the show notes as well. But if you did enjoy the podcast, please do leave a rating and review um, because it helps with all the algorithms, etc. But... I will leave you there and I will chat to you in a further episode when we have on more great guests, much like Nick Licamele. Thanks a lot.